you know, I think of those kings and the big headdresses. And we don't have anybody who's wearing one of those big headdresses here. I don't think so. But we all have crowns, don't we? We all have things that we hold on to. We all have things that we bow down to. And a lot of times, if I'm honest about myself, the person that I bow down to too often is myself. I want things done my way. I want to hold on to things. To things to go my way and things to, to happen and just like, I want what I want. And this morning, it's a constant reminder that, that, that we have to lay our crowns down at the feet of Jesus and surrender to, to one king and one king only, and that's King Jesus. And so just as we're praying for the kings all over Africa, it's a challenge for us. Will we, we come together? Will we worship King Jesus alone in every aspect of our life? Live wholly surrendered to him and to him alone. You know, last week we talked and uh, um, we were looking at the story in Mark chapter 1 of Jesus coming into the synagogue. And he comes into the synagogue and he teaches with such authority and people are blown away. They're like amazed, like, who is this who teaches with such amazing authority? We have not heard this type of teaching, even though they had tremendous scribes and, and, and knowledgeable people. And he spoke with, with such authority. They're like, wow, there's something different here. And then he demonstrated that authority. And he, he delivered a person who had an unclean spirit in him, delivered him, set him free. And I think about that, and I think about and it, it, what was convicting me so much last week was that this man was in a religious service. This man was, was in church. This man was encountering religion and still was not free until he encountered Jesus. And I was convicted in my heart, like, how are the, what are the ways that, that we allow the enemy in? And I looked at that verse in Ephesians 4. What are the ways, how are the, what are the ways that we give the devil a foothold? Because in Ephesians 4, verse 27, Paul is writing to believers. He's not writing to the world. He's writing to believers. And he's like, don't give the enemy any territory in your life. Don't give him any room. And there's a lot of ways that's listed in Scripture in which we, we can give him room. Anytime that we don't uh, surrender to the kingdom of God and the king of kings, I believe we allow opportunity for the enemy to give in. Even when it comes to relationships and broken relationships, if we hold on to unforgiveness and we're like, oh no, I'm going to get this person back. And we're filled with even anger in those moments. Paul is clear in Ephesians 4, says in your anger, do not sin. And then eventually do not give the devil a foothold. There's so many ways that we can allow the enemy in. And we had to constantly not give the devil a foothold. I think of the things that we watch. I think of unbelief. I talked about that last week. And I do really believe, I do really think, of, uh, are we careful about all the things that we allow into our soul? We might think like, oh, we're not involved in the occult or uh, any evil or, or witchcraft. But do we, do we, I think I called it witch crap right there, but probably is true. Do we know the source of things that we're allowing into our soul? I just heard this. Like, for example, we have to be so careful. I just heard this, like the whole phrase, knock on wood. Do you know where that came from? It came from this, this belief that people had that evil spirits lived in the trees. And so they went to go knock on the trees, knock on wood, to summon the spirits that live in those trees. 
I never knew that. I learned that a week and a half ago. And all the things that we might just simply just put out there, like do we know where things are coming from? Are we allowing the enemy to get into our hearts, into our, or into our lives? And I think so often we want to look at the world and say, you know, they need to change and they need to change. But I believe that there needs to be inner purity in the church, that our hearts are fully surrendered to King Jesus. What the world needs is to hear that God loves them so deeply. They need to know the gospel, the love of Jesus. And for us, we got to constantly search our hearts and say, are we living wholeheartedly before Jesus. And this is a decision that we alone have to make. You know, I think of Captain Sunday down the road in Zealand. I hate the drive-through that they put in like two or three years ago. Hate that. Like, why did they do that? It's too easy just to circle in there and go through the drive-through. But as I thought about that, I'm like, you know, that's true about our lives. Like, there's temptations and things all out there. I, though, have to give into that temptation and actually drive through the drive through Captain Sunday isn't making me unhealthy. My decisions are making me unhealthy when I turn right into the parking lot and swing around and I'm like, oh, it's only a couple bucks for a, a small Oreo flurry with twist ice cream. We allow the enemy to get in. And we just have to be on guard and have to make sure that we don't give the, the, the devil a foothold in making sure that we're only bowing down to King Jesus. Well, I want to continue in the book of Mark because things are happening in Mark and Mark happens pretty quickly. In Mark 1 verses 21 through 28, we saw last week, Jesus comes into the synagogue. He's in a, a place called Capernaum, this small little village on the, on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. And he's in the synagogue and he's teaching and, and he's, he's setting people free. And this is not just a, a once and done situation. This is not just, okay, you set that person free and then he, he's done. He continues to come across people who are filled with unclean spirits and he sets them free. Look at uh, Mark 1 verses uh, 32 through 34. It says, that evening at sundown... They brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Now, it wasn't like a huge city like Holland or Zealand area. It was a smaller little village. But still, the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases. And he cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him healed people of various diseases. He cast out many demons in this small village. Go on to verse 39. I don't think this one uh, is up on the screen. But uh, after that, he went to different villages. And it says in verse 39, he went throughout all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Fast forward to Mark chapter 3. There's, we're going to come back and, and look at uh, some of these other stories. But Jesus' popularity is growing. And in Mark 3, verse 9, there's such a huge crowd around him that he, he tells the disciples to go get a boat, and he gets in the boat, and he teaches so that they wouldn't uh, smush him, and they wouldn't uh, crowd, him, crowd around him. In verse 9, it says this, He told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And then he strictly ordered them not to make him known. You know, there's this growing scene 
that more and more people are crowding around Jesus. More and more people are hearing about how he's setting people free. And they're coming and they're bringing the sick and those who are oppressed by demons. And and they're bringing them them to Jesus because they believe that he can do something about it. Now, you would think as people are being freed up and, and, and delivered of things that, have, have car- that they've carried around for so many years, you would think that, that everybody would be happy. you think that, oh, these people are finding freedom. There's, there's laughter. There's joy. There's, there's things that are happening. But look at Mark 3, verses 22 through 27. Now, this is after his family kind of had an intervention with them because they thought he was out of his mind. Jesus was out of his mind uh, in verse 21. But then it says this, And then the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebul, which actually means Lord of dung or Lord of the flies, which flies are by dung, and so it kind of makes sense, but that's what that, that name means. And by the prince of demons, he casts out the demons. And he called them to him and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, the kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand but is coming to an end. Jesus is saying to them, he's like, you're, you're saying that I'm casting out these demons by the power of Satan. He's like, that doesn't make any sense because a kingdom that is divided cannot stand. I mean, you look at any sports team and if there's arguing on the sidelines and people are bickering back and forth, you're like, that team has problems. That team is not going to go far. Division in a family, division anywhere, it's not going to resolve for uh, It's not going to produce anything good. Division never produces anything good. And Jesus is saying, like, this doesn't even make sense. Your argument doesn't make sense. This house that is divided won't stand. And then Jesus says this, but no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods. And here he is comparing the strong man of the house to Satan. You see, no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his good unless, and then Jesus is saying this, unless his first He first binds the strong man, then indeed he may plunder his house. Jesus is saying, yeah, there's a strong man. No one can plunder his house unless he first binds the strong man. And Jesus is saying, someone stronger is here. And he points to himself. The thing that blew me away about this passage this week is that here were the scribes. Here were the the people that were knowledgeable in the word of God, in the Old Testament. They taught people about God, his character, and, and everything about the kingdom of God, at least what they thought the kingdom of God looked like. And here the kingdom of God is right in front of their face, and they completely missed it. They were unaware of the characteristics of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the enemy. And so they're looking at, at Jesus, God in a, a bodily form, and saying, oh, he must be doing this because he's doing it by the hand of Satan. And Jesus is saying, are you out of your mind? The one who is stronger has come and is delivering, is setting people free. And the thing that, like, as I look at this passage is like, are we like the scribes? Are we able to discern what is the, the kingdom of darkness and what is the kingdom of God? Do we know our enemy? Do we know the characteristics of of the enemy? Are we able to spot it and say, you know what? There is the kingdom of darkness. There is an opportunity to bring freedom and hope and healing. I want us to go on a little journey scripturally. And I want us to look at a couple verses. And I want us to be able to describe and explain what is the kingdom of darkness? 
What are the characteristics of the kingdom of darkness? And I want us to look at verses because I want us to be prepared. I want us to have it in our hearts and in our minds, like to be able to show people this is what it looks like. This is the kingdom of darkness. This is what it looks like. And I want to go all the way back to the beginning in Isaiah. You're like, the beginning? You're like, Isaiah? That's not the beginning. Oh, but in Isaiah, we get a picture. We get a picture of what happened to Satan before or that caused him to fall. So we're going to look at Isaiah and then Ezekiel as well. This is a picture. This is a picture of Satan before he fell and what caused him to fall and the very foundation of his kingdom. How you are fallen from heaven, Isaiah 14 verse 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground. You who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mountain of the assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. In my Bible, I underline that. I will make myself like the most high. This is what was in the enemy's heart when he was back in the garden. He wanted to be just like God. He wanted to be worshiped. And so the very foundation of the kingdom of darkness is this thing called pride. And anytime we give into our pride, anytime we, we feed that, we're participating with the kingdom of darkness. This, the enemy says, I will make myself like the most high. Fast forward couple chapters to the right, to Ezekiel 28. I'm going to read verses 12 through 17. This is another picture before we hop into Genesis, where we see Satan tempting Eve. This is what happened in Eden, in the garden. Ezekiel says this, You were the signet of perfection, You were full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Verse 13. Sardis, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, emerald, and carbuncle. And crafted in gold were your settings and your engravings. On that day that you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God. In the midst of the stones of fire you walked. You were blameless in your ways. From the day you were created till unrighteousness was found in you. In the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence in your midst and you sinned. So I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O guardian cherubim, from the midst of the stones of fire. And then verse 17, your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I exposed you before kings to feast their eyes on you. And again, your heart was proud because of your beauty. Fast forward to John chapter 8. Verse 44, and this will be up on the screen. Here we get another picture of the kingdom of darkness. Jesus is talking to uh, Jewish people, and they're like, We're the fa- our father is Abraham. And Jesus says this in John 8, verse 44. It says, You are of your father, the devil. Try that one in a conversation. <laughs> you are of your father, the devil. 
And your will is to do your father's desire. This is the kingdom of darkness. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. It's a kingdom that is built on lies and on murder. And like the the only thing that the enemy knows how to speak is untruth. And so when the enemy speaks to your, to, into your life, when he says things, he says things that are untrue. We know in Revelation chapter 12 that, that the enemy is an accuser and all he does is accuse. He brings charge after charge after charge to you and I. This is the kingdom of darkness. We see in First uh, Peter 5, I believe, that, that all he wants to do is devour you. The enemy just wants to devour you. John 10, 10 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And how does he do this? Fast forward, Piper, to James um, chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 14. A couple slides down. Keep on. Oh, got it. All right. I'll just read it. Just got it. This is how he does it. This is how he wants to devour. But each person is tempted when he was lured and enticed by his own desire. And desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. This is what the enemy wants in your life. The enemy of darkness, the kingdom of darkness, is all about bringing death. Lures us, entices us to sin. And sin, the only thing that sin will ever produce is death in our life. I've looked at it in people's lives and in my life. Sin will always take you further than you want to go. And it will always cost you more than you want to pay. Nobody ever signs up for sin and says, you know what? I'm on my way to death. But that's what the enemy wants in your life. This is the kingdom of darkness, a, a kingdom that is built on, on destruction, on death, on deception, on lie after lie after lie. And here the scribes, they see people that are delivered and free, and they're like, oh, this guy's doing it all based on the kingdom of darkness, all because he's filled with the demon. They were clueless when it came to the kingdom of God, that it's all about bringing freedom and hope and healing and life. Look at Luke 11. And again, Piper, you're going to have to fast forward. I had some other things in there, but I just want to go to Luke 11. This is Luke's account of this. And I want to now just look at one verse that describes, there's so many, but one verse that describes the kingdom of God. This is Luke's account of this situation. And here we see that, that a demon was cast out of a man and it was a, a man who was unable to speak and all of a sudden he was able to speak. And this is what caused this uproar. And they're like, how did he do this? He's doing it by, the, by a, a demon. And it says this in, in verse 18. I'm just going to back up a little bit. Satan also is divided against himself. How will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? And Jesus is like, your people are demon-possessed too, if they're casting demons out. He says, therefore, they will be your judges. But then this, but if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. If it's by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And what does this say about the kingdom of God? Jesus comes and just with a finger, there is more power in the finger of God than all of the kingdom of darkness. 
And Jesus sets people free and is motivated by love. People that have been entrapped for year after year after year, living under the fear of death and the fear of the enemy being enslaved. All of a sudden, with a touch, with a word, Jesus sets people free. And that is the kingdom of God. And it's not about, when it comes to Jesus, when you talk about demons and all this stuff, Jesus was not a demon hunter. Jesus was not looking for demons just to deliver people. No, Jesus was and will always be about setting people free. He comes across people that are entrapped by the enemy, and he's like, get out. In the name, he doesn't say in the name of Jesus, but he says, get out, and they flee. It's all about setting people free. And this is the kingdom of God that we have stepped into if we're a follower of Jesus, and this is the kingdom of God that we are to bring to a world that is walking around West Michigan, walking around Africa, loaded down with guilt, and shame and all that the enemy wants to throw their way. We have a message of freedom. But more than that, we have to live in freedom. I think about this. We have to know our enemy. But frankly, we also need to know our responsibility, but more importantly, the authority that we have. See, we look at this story. I looked at this story for years. And I'm like, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't go up to somebody and, you know, cast out a demon, set somebody free. But I realized how messed up I had become, how I had believed a lie and forgotten that Jesus has given me authority. Look at Mark chapter 3. We looked at this the last couple weeks. Mark chapter 3 says Jesus brought people together that he wanted to be with. And this is what it says. He appointed 12 so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. This is what Jesus gave to these 12 unschooled ordinary people. He said, go out and preach. Go out and proclaim that the kingdom of God is here. Go out and tell people that the kingdom has come. But also when you find people who are, are filled with unclean spirits, who are oppressed with demons, you cast them out. You have that authority. We look at it and we say, okay, Jesus comes and he is son of God. He is almighty. He, boom, comes and he says, get out. And they get out because he has all authority and all power. But that same power he has given to us. And you might think, well, that's just the 12. They were the apostles. Well, fast forward to Luke chapter 10. Read that sometime. Luke chapter 10, he gave 72 people who weren't the part of the 12, but 72 people that same authority. And it says they went out and they cast out demons and they healed people. And they came back and they said, we saw Satan fall from the clouds. This is amazing. And then you go on from there. Mark 16. Jesus says, I give you authority. Now go. You have authority to set people free in the name of Jesus. You have that same authority. Do you believe it? Do you believe it in such a way where you can go into a situation and say, get out in the name of Jesus? When there's darkness in your home and stuff going on in your family and weird stuff, do you know that you have the power to say, in the name of Jesus, get out? When your kid wakes up and says, I have nightmares and I don't know how to sleep, do you take your authority and go into the room and say, in the name of Jesus, whatever is in this room, whatever is in this space, get out in the name of Jesus. You have that authority. You don't have to call a pastor or anybody else to come and sprinkle some water. You have that authority because of Christ in you. Do you believe it? Are you walking in it? A couple more things, and I'm going to wrap up. I was watching the funeral of the queen, and it hit me. Queen passed away, and now there's King Charles. 
And I had to laugh when I saw him signing something recently. Maybe you've seen this. And he had a little issue with his pen. And he was a little upset. Check out this, this video. Big pieces of paper. <clears throat> did you see what he did? He was upset that the pins were there. And so his face went. And somebody came and took those pins. He had the authority to tell somebody to pick up those pens. What gave him that authority? He was born into the right family. And because the queen died, he is now king. He has the authority. Do you know you have the same authority in your finger to drive out demons, to bring freedom? Why? It's because you were born again into a new family, into the kingdom of God and because Jesus, he didn't die, he rose and is now ascended in, in, at the right hand of God. He has given you authority to bring freedom to say, be gone in the name of Jesus. The thing that I want us to walk away from today is the simple truth deep down in your gut that moves to your legs and causes action that you have authority. God has given you authority to bring freedom to a world. And so as you hear friends that say, I have darkness in my house and this and that, you go over and pray and say, in the name of Jesus, be gone. We have to be a people that not only just talk about salvation, but bring freedom and hope into people's lives. I came across this quote this week, and this will be it. Up on the screen, and it's a guy, he said this. He said, the church, us, should be a community that does more than just confesses his name which is no more than what the demons do. The church is not to sit on the sidelines watching the world go by and doing nothing more than offering people a different religious option for salvation. The church has the task of standing up and confronting evil in the arena of life. Will we do it? Jesus has given us authority. Will we step into it? I want us to stand. I just want to pray for us um, that we would believe this, that it would transform our lives. But before I do, I just want to ask, is there, is there anybody in here that either knows somebody who has just weirdness going on in their lives? Like you're like, that's just weird and ah, it's just something strange is going on. You might know somebody or that might be happening in your house as well. So, like, if you just know somebody or it's happening, just would you raise your hand? I would love to, to gather around them and just lay a hand on them right now. I want to pray over these situations as I pray that we would believe that we have authority. God, these 
these hands that were raised represent people. People that are just under the weight of the God of this age, the prince of the power of the air. And so whatever, whatever he wants to happen in these situations, whatever weirdness is being caused, we just command it to go right now in Jesus' name. We proclaim freedom in these homes, freedom in the minds, freedom in hearts, in any ways that, that, that people have given the enemy a foothold into their lives, we command it to just be shut in the name of Jesus. That these demons, these evil spirits, whatever is wreaking havoc in these people's lives, be gone in Jesus' name. That would have no place in their homes. I, I proclaim freedom and peace and love over every home represented here. I pray just a protection over every home and over every situation. Holy Spirit, would you surround each home? Would you fill each home with your peace and your power and your love and your grace and your goodness? And God, would we be, would we be, would we be people who are bold? Not because there's anything in us, but because of you, Jesus, in us, the hope of glory. That we would walk in authority, that we would walk in the freedom and the power that we have been given by you, Almighty God. I pray that we'd be people who bring freedom not only proclaim freedom, but bring freedom this week. And I pray and I ask, and I just speak this over each person here, that we would believe that you have called us, that you've given us authority, and now you've called us to go. So, Lord, thank you for this time. Fill our hearts with more and more faith in Jesus' name. Amen.